0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
1: i'm kim grenold's of dogman.com with chris fetter scott ecklund day five spring football 2022 again the um are you finding it a little bit strange that they're not using the East Field at all? Because when Coach Pete and Jimmy were here, it was almost exclusively on the East Field.
0: Yeah, it, it is kind of strange that they haven't used the East Field and the other ones did. I, maybe they want to get the because the turf is a year old. Is it a year old? Something like that. Something like, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's not right. like they
2: don't use it, but yeah. the, the, the whole team's don't. It's like defensive yeah. line is about the only. I turf actually I've like seen. it
0: that they have it in the stadium. For I didn't. Sure. I don't like it on the East Field. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, it gives us a little bit of a view up high Mm -hmm. a little bit. But, uh, you know, a 70-degree day here yesterday in Seattle for those out of town. But... uh the weather's changing with uh, it was still a little bit cloudy and overcast today but there was a lot of sun but uh, still a little bit chilly and the wind definitely picked up and having an impact on what's going on out there to the point where we would normally speak with coach DeBoer today out on the field and we moved it inside because the wind was howling which just causes havoc with microphones but uh, we went ahead and moved it inside with coach DeBoer and uh, you know, just uh, you know. First of all, let's touch bases on practice, which we don't get to see much of. Um, maybe you want to talk a little bit about how that is, and it sounds like that's the way it's pretty much going to be as long as Coach DeBoer is here.
0: Yeah, he. It, it doesn't sound like he's up for letting people watch watch the watch the players, you know, scrimmage and stuff. And I guess that's his call. I p- kind of disagree with it, but whatever. But he did say that there will be an announcement today very soon. It might actually have happened by the time this actually goes up about a open practice for the media and for the fans to be at. It.
1: Yeah, he said. You know, kind of the reasoning behind it. Is he says he'd rather the players be critiqued by the coaches than by the media at this point in time. But
2: yeah, that's well, that's not going to change though. <laughs> <I> mean,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Now,
2: now, if he just now if he wants to dissuade the players from getting online and reading what we have to say or what other media outlets have to say or what what happens on TV, more power to him. I think that's great. If he wants if he wants to try to isolate that and create that bubble, that's, that's all well and good. I get that. The only difference is it's not going to change us critiquing at least what we get a chance to see. And so only being able to see half of it doesn't really help them much. I think most of it has to do with that quarterback battle.
1: He would rather keep that... Um quarterback situation in house than have it decided in the media you know but you know because we just don't get to see much it's going to happen but I guess he's just trying to control some of that and you know with that being said you know we've had coaches that have tried to control things and you know he's maybe trying to control that a little bit but at least he's professional with us about it and you know, he's pretty upfront about it and he's not being a jerk about it, which we've had some of those in the past. Yeah, no, so. I
2: mean, he's very much like Coach Pete in that. I mean, he he understands we have a job to do, they have a job to do, and he's never going to get offended by any questions we ask about him. But at the same time, that doesn't oblige him to say, you know, say what we want to hear. You know, if he wants to just say no the whole time, he's going to do it with a smile on his face and that'll be the end of that. Um, right. But again, when you, get a, when you only get part of the puzzle, Kim, it, we're still going to... Lead to, to judgments, and you know we're still going to try to make some, you know, try to make some educated guesses on what's going on with the quarterback battle. For instance, I mean that's just not that's human nature, and that's what people pay us to do. Is we do get to see a little bit of it, we do get to see a little eleven on eleven. So yeah, only because we get to see maybe a, a tenth of, of what we sh- what we would like to see. We're still going to talk about it, and we're doing it right now. We get the edges of the puzzle. We don't get yeah, anything in the Absolutely, middle. no, and for sure. And, I, and trust me, I, I get the idea that, that they really want to focus on making sure that these guys are learning what they need to learn right now. And maybe things will open up a little bit more in fall camp. Hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Well, he touched, it. He, touched, he said it might. You know, you never know, but I, th- I think it is. Um, it's encouraging that he that it sounds like they are going to open up a practice to the fans, which I think is a huge thing. I think they do need to do that. I think it's it's especially important for a new staff to have to have that kind of outreach. I think it's important for fans to get to see a guy like Jamarcus Shepard in person, watch him do his thing, make you know, watch him coach the receivers, for instance. Or see a guy like Eric Schmidt coach the edges, or um, you know William Inge coach the linebackers, for instance. I, I, I think it's just really important for fans to get that 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 firsthand opinion because they can, you know, they can come to us. We can give all the the hot takes that we want, but the bottom line is that doesn't substitute for seeing it with your own eyeballs and hearing it with your own ears. We I asked him about if there's anything even closely resembling a
1: depth chart and. Uh, he pretty much said that he doesn't have a depth chart, you know, written down anywhere on the office, you know, on anywhere. But uh, he did hedge a little bit by saying, you know, the players, I'm sure, have an idea at this point in time. It uh, sounds like there's still a lot of um, competition going out there in certain positions. And then, as we keep on saying, sometimes, you know, like groups like wide receivers and running backs and corners, in a lot of those different positions, it's not so much about a depth chart you can have a depth chart for one package and a totally different depth chart for a different package where if you're going to have five you know, receivers or two running backs. So different uh, depth charts for different packages, Scott.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> different skill sets equal different outcomes for different plays and, and why you want to put them in there. And that's, I mean, that you basically said it all. I mean, I can't really add a lot to it because it, it's – You know, people need to understand there's packages, and especially the way they do a lot of platooning with the way uh, they do substitutions in in football nowadays. And so you'll see a whole new package come in on a first down play if you want to use that package for whatever reason. And, And it might not even include guys that play very much.
2: And I would add to that, too, again, just because we're getting an incomplete picture of what a depth chart might look like that doesn't mean we aren't going to put one out. and So look for one in the next day or two. Like this weekend, I'll I'll go ahead and try to put something together for you. Because there are, they have not um, because he was asked the question, Coach DeBoer was asked the question, because basically they have not really changed a lot in terms of their groupings, in terms of their first team offensive line, second team offensive line, um, pretty much have been the same from the very, very first practice. Um, So we're going to put out what we see, and that's Whether that's fair or not to those guys, let us in on more practice and we'll be able to give you a more complete picture. That's what I was going to say. If you don't like our depth
1: chart because we're wrong, well, there's a reason for it. (laughs) Give us another one. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Uh, Asked about Jackson Kirkland. Um, He says he hadn't heard anything on that. It's just amazing how slow the uh, NCAA can be on something that should be a no-brainer.
2: And again, I think... I get the sense that it's more of a an irritation for them than anything. Because he couldn't play anyways. So that's that's yeah. not that's not an issue. I think it's just when you have something hanging out there, it would be nice to get some resolution. Is it really
0: a no brainer though?
2: Guy signs with an agent, takes his puts his name
0: in the NFL draft, and then has to go through surgery. Why didn't he get the surgery first and not go? That's what I'm just taking this at a NCAA point of view. Why do we have to hurry on something like that? Why is it a no-brainer? Well,
1: well I think he's got a transfer portal, he's transferring from out of the
2: draft into the draft. Yeah, <laughs> it's not
0: the same thing. Well, and the other thing is and he took why, money. Now but, granted, if he pays it back, it's not a big that big of a deal. But
2: why should he assume that he's not necessarily going to be full go or get the kind of draft information after cuz you, you, there is a deadline that mm-hmm. they have to meet.
0: And it was and past he, that.
2: And yeah, but if he was right on that line and he had to make a decision, mm-hmm. which way are you going to err? I would think everyone Look, would err. I, I want to say this up front.
0: I think it's great if he comes back to the Huskies, and I, I hope he does for his sake and for UW's sake. But that being said, hey, there's consequences to decisions you make. Sure. And you made a decision to go in the NFL draft, sit out a year, work, Get yourself healthy and then go back.
2: In the I think draft. you have to hope that his agent or the people advising him would have looked to see if there was past precedent. I would hope so. To, I would you know, certainly hope so. so. And there's got to be.
0: I gotta believe that he's going yeah. to be cleared. I, be. I, I, but to say it's a no brainer to me is, I think that's being a little well, the too only, simplistic. Well, the only
2: no brainer is is that if he does get cleared, he's he's going to play with Washington. Yeah, he's not going somewhere else to play. That's the only thing we could probably say for mm. sure. Uh, Coach DeBoer also, I didn't hear it, but he talked about ameca uh, Megwa.
0: Yes, he talked about Megwa megua um, So ameca Megwa for those who might not be as clued in, he was a four-star running back out of Texas, got hurt before the season, uh, enrolled at Washington, uh, reclassified and enrolled at Washington in September of last year in time for the start of spring or uh, for fall fall quarter. Um, did practice, but didn't really practice. He was just catching balls and things like that. He wasn't running, doing a lot of st- things. He had a pretty, I want to say it was a knee injury. I'm 99.9% sure it was a knee injury that he just couldn't get past. So he had surgery and all that stuff. Um, there was some thought that maybe he would be able to take part limited in spring football. And that was what the, the information was that Kalen DeBoer had for us. Last Monday, so not this past Monday, but the Monday before that, um, was it March 28th, whatever it was? Um, and he said, I didn't have the information then for you that I have now, and that's that said he's going to miss all of spring football, all of summer conditioning and workouts, probably most of fall camp, if not into the season.
2: So many questions about it, too, yeah. because first of all, we were under the impression that Emeka Megwa came to Washington in part because the care that he was going to get through mm-hmm. UW Medical was going to allow him the best opportunity to come back to the field as soon as possible. So either one of two things happened. Either they, he came to UW and they had the surgery and it ended up being a lot worse than they thought uh-huh. initially compared to what maybe the diagnosis was in Texas or whatever, or he had a reoccurrence of the injury or something. Or a setback. A setback of some head. sort. Um, either way, it's so disappointing for him. And I know... Because the bottom line is is that every football player at this level probably has to go through that kind of a rehab or that kind of an extended out when you're hurt with something. But usually you play for a little while first, and then you have to kind of go through the hardship. Uh, to, to have to go through the hardship literally from day one, is uh, it, that's so difficult.
0: I'm just speculating here, but I think it, he had a reoccurrence. Or he had another injury.
2: Well, yeah, DeBoer well, certainly kind of hedged possible. on, you know, because mm-hmm. he was asked basically... You know, what was the, you know, what was the timeline on this kind of stuff. And he goes, yeah, this was based on something that happened, but I couldn't tell you exactly what the circumstances yeah. was. So he left himself up pretty, pretty wide berth on that. Well, the picture he posted online made it sure
1: seem like he's working
2: out. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a beast.
1: Mm -hmm. so he's getting the upper body work for sure but uh, also uh old friend old member of the coaching staff who's always good to see coach hart randy hart was at practice today i wandered down near him and uh you know anoki brechterfield was running his drills and I asked him, I said, do you remember Enoki against, um, you know, when you guys played Oregon State? He goes, yeah, that guy was a monster. I could have coached him. You know, and that's pretty high praise coming from Randy Hart. Yeah. Um, also asked him um, about if he uh, had met Courtney Morgan, the you know, the head of recruiting for UW. And he said he had. I asked Coach Hart, I said, did you recruit Courtney? He goes, no, I wanted Larry. <laughs> you know, so. Well, Courtney was an offensive player, though, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, nah, I, I wanted Larry. Yeah, yeah. so um, so it was kind of funny. You know, Randy's always funny, and uh, you know, Coach uh, DeBoer spoke uh,
2: about uh, Randy Hart addressing the team. Yeah, it was well. It was really unusual. So typically, we're up in the we're up in the media room, and then we get the we get the text telling us to come down, and you know, the kind of the hurry up and wait thing for the media. We wait for them to show up, and so we all kind of gather around the, the mouth of the tunnel, and we're waiting. And they're on the far end of the field, kind of closer to the east field on that, on that end zone. And it goes, and it just keeps going and keeps going. And we're probably out there for, what, 15 minutes? Yeah. Have no idea what's going on. Finally, we make the decision to come back up the tunnel because of the wind. And we wait another five minutes or so. And then Coach DeBoer comes in, and he told him that Randy Hart was addressing the team. And he goes, he had some really good things to say, and when a guy like that is addressing your team, you let him go. You let him go for as long as he wants to go. So that, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. You see Randy Hart. I'm sure these kids see Randy Hart walking up, and they're going, "Who is this old guy?" Yeah.
1: it probably takes about one second, and everybody's paying attention to Randy Hart because uh-huh. you know Randy gets going, and boy, he saw uh, he's hard to miss. It so.
2: is interesting because obviously there's the connection with Brechter field because of, of him understanding. What Inoki was all about when he played at Oregon State. I wonder if there are any other connections that Randy has because he, you know, when you when you coach for forty years plus, he's got to have some connections. Well, with Randy's that staff. a Midwest guy. Yeah, I, I mean,
1: you know, he played at Ohio State. So right. I'm sure that there's some. You know, I'm sure there's some.
2: Uh, there's got to be crossover somewhere. With somewhere on the road.
1: Somewhere, you know. So,
2: but um, it was great because it was it wasn't just Coach Hart was there, but there were a number of players. We talked a little bit earlier. Danny, t- Shelton. Danny Shelton was there. It was good to say hi to Danny. Morgan Danny Danny's son was there. Yeah. And uh, he already looks like he's about ready to go hurt somebody. Yeah. And he's literally like about mm. two feet tall. Yeah.
0: Morgan Roseboro was there. Corey Fuvai. Corey Fuvai. Um Trent McDuffie for a little bit. Yeah, I saw you talking to him. Um or no, I saw him on silent, sorry. Um
3: Selling a little or a lot. shopify.com/ dot slash odyssey podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com dot slash Odyssey Podcast.
0: Trying to think if there was any there, there was yeah, a and there was a good gaggle of recruits that were on in the corner. There
2: too. were quite a few. There were probably <laughs> no, I, obviously I think there was another maybe school. And a courtes. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. But I would say, God, were there maybe <gasps> Thirty guys there today. 30, 35 guys. Yeah. So the two when you th- took everyone and you kind of tried to piece them all together yeah, because so they the, were everywhere. Yeah. The two that I recognized off
0: the bat were Malachi Durant mm. <laughs> um, and who's a wide receiver, twenty twenty-four wide receiver at um, at uh, Puyallup, and then um, and then uh, Jabari Johnson, who I had mentioned in the story that I wrote up on him from the, his thing on Wednesday. Uh, he he's the four-star quarterback from
2: Lincoln. He was there too. They were kind of. You read anything into the fact that he came back? No, was this is just a spring break thing for them? Spring break. Okay, so
1: a lot of FSP guys here too. Yeah, those are FSP guys. No, there was I saw quite a few FSP guys on the sidelines. Okay,
0: I didn't I didn't recognize those guys, but they
1: all had their hoodies up.
0: Yeah, and then um, the other guy that I uh, that you that you saw, Kim. Was Channing Goodwin? I believe right. is his name, the wide receiver from um, North Carolina. 2024 so, kid. I 2024. Believe. Yep.
1: Yeah, so. and um, you know, for the guys that were here and uh, taking in practice, Scott will have more on that later as uh, we we're able to as verify. As I can find out. Yeah, yeah once we we're able to verify who indeed was here. Um, any recruiting updates, Scott? Anything we need to touch bases on, on recruiting? Pretty much everything the same right now?
0: Yeah, everything's the same right now. They're gonna have more visitors in, just a couple over the weekend. Nothing crazy or anything. Josh Connerly's announcing tonight, don't expect it to be UW, so just kinda don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, and if, any... people,
2: if people do want some insight that we talked about on Wednesday with the three kids mm-hmm. that committed, so you had Keith Reynolds, you had uh, Wayne Tolapapa from Virginia, and then you had Will Nixon from Nebraska. We talked pretty pretty in depth about those guys on Wednesday. I'll link um, that podcast to the to the one we put out today, this one, and uh, so you can look at the end of that one if you mm-hmm. want some uh, some insight on those guys.
1: Yeah, just in Scott, you mentioned nobody expects Josh Connerly to announce Washington, so we've already beaten that dead horse. So. Let it go, people. That ship has sailed,
2: and the... Well, we'll see if it has. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean,
1: there could be
0: something weird that happens, but... Hey, you never say never, yeah, man. Yeah, I guess you never say never. but Hey, I still
2: remember the day that Reggie Williams' mom was wearing a Michigan shirt to work. And yeah. that, that's when he committed to Washington. So <laughs> I, who, who you never, I ever know think, with I still
0: think um, UW is going to get a lot of
2: these guys on the rebound. Yeah, so, so do I. We'll see. Uh, the port. Yeah, the portal is going to be <laughs> real interesting yeah. in the next couple years.
1: Yeah, just touching bases on basketball, um, Isaiah Cottrell. Um, from West Virginia. He was originally out of uh, Gorman High School down in Vegas and Washington recruited him. Um, he was at West Virginia, had some uh, injuries back there. 6'11", 245, kind of a stretch four, uh, different type of player. I don't I don't know if I'd um, really say that he's a true center or a true five. He could probably, you know, jump down and play the five, but he's more of a stretch four. He was on campus yesterday, and today, uh, Fardog, I call him Fardog, uh, Fardog Amac. Um, he's, at, what, 6'11", 250, out of Utah Valley State. He averaged 19 and 13, one of the top guys in the transfer portal. Uh, right now, he is currently on campus. So, um, one of our interns saw him walking around with...
0: No, he did not. He didn't no, he was messing with him. He was messing with Jack. Who was Matt? Matt was messing with Jack.
2: Okay, so yeah, <laughs> good one, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> you got fooled. I did not, he
0: did not see him. No.
2: Okay, It was uh, April Fool's a weekend. What guys. did he tell him? He
0: said, Jack, I just saw Fardos in the bathroom and I and I dapped him up. No, that in was in the something, bathroom. No,
1: one of them said they saw him with uh, a couple of former huskies. I'll check into that.
0: Okay, maybe that's true, but he was messing with Jack. When no, I didn't even there. hear but that. Now everyone listening
1: to this is thoroughly confused. Yeah, right? but uh, Dog's AMAC is definitely on campus today, um, so uh, I know they're gonna put uh, hardcore uh, big-time press on him. The big thing Washington has going on him is playing time availability, showcase availability, because he's a perfect fit for what Washington does. And then in addition, he's from Vancouver, British Columbia, so the ability for his parents to come down and actually see the games is going to be a big attraction uh, for him. Also um, I I couldn't remember whether we talked about it or not, but Noah Williams out of O'Day High School who went to Washington State. you know, Coach Hopp, you know, just kind of a miss where he elected to take um, Marcus Sohonis over Noah Williams. But in all fairness, Noah wasn't ready to commit, so they uh, went ahead and took Marcus Sohonis, which at the time looked like a pretty good fit. But uh, Noah Williams is in the transfer portal and expect Washington to go all out to get Noah Williams here. And uh, uh, there's a lot of talk
2: on the message boards about that. But uh, It's very there... really interesting because if you look at what he does, Kim... He fits a lot of needs defensively that Dejon Davis had, and he also can fit some needs offensively for what Terrell Brown did, and not necessarily in terms of being a pure scorer, but in terms of being able to run the offense, yeah. and everything kind of goes through him. And if he can find his shooting touch again, I think that's the biggest thing. A lot of people wonder what happened. He just fell off the map shooting-wise. Well,
1: you know, and we've discussed that on the message board. You know, yeah. he did something stupid. He used some fake ID to get into a bar, and... You know, college kids can do stupid things at times, but uh, there was an assault charge pressed against him by the, uh, by the bouncer, and um, he was suspended from the team, team practice, he was suspended from everything, and then, you know, uh, well after the event, well after the event, The video comes out showing that the uh, bouncer was the aggressor in that situation. So, uh, you know, just I can't imagine that he felt that the coach had his back and uh, he wanted out. And, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with the, you know, maybe some call it a subpar season. But with his length, he's 6'5", and the thing that I like about him, he's a dog, man. I mean, he gets after it. He plays hard. He was. He is in your face, and you know uh, they kind of have lacked that over the past few years. Terrell Brown had it. Um, but, you know, he brings that edge and that attitude big time, which is something I think this team desperately, desperately needs. And you pair that guy 6'5", out on the top of the zone, doing what Dejon doing what Matisse did, and then you get that shot blocker, rim protector in the back. And the other guy I know that they're going after hard is uh, Frank Kepnung. Uh He's the big guy from Oregon. He's just a massive human. So um, the, the plan is they have three roster openings, and I uh, expect them to take two bigs and one guard. Uh, Sky Clark, the five-star recruit that had decommitted from Kentucky, the entire coaching staff had gone down to visit him. Um, committed to uh, Illinois yesterday, so I expect uh, Noah Williams to be the guy when it comes to uh, who they're after for that one guard. And Scott, yeah, and we got an announcement. Yeah,
0: from the we had mentioned it earlier that it might be even up before we get out. We get off of this podcast. Um, So the spring preview we already knew was open to the public. That's on on the 30th. Um, That starts at 11.30. They've added the April 23rd, so two Saturdays from tomorrow. The practice two Saturdays from tomorrow will be um, starting at 11, and that is open to the public. Are we the
2: public, by the way?
0: We are considered the public, except there's no reporting on it, basically. Yeah, you can just go watch.
2: And I'll tell you what. And again, they don't they don't need my opinion on it, no. but I think it's an excellent move. I, I, I really do. do. Yeah, I think it's important for the fans to get a, a sense of this new staff, what they're about, the energy that they've had during practices, which I think has been palpable. And I think it's just a it's a very good move all the way around.
1: Yeah, I got a feeling that uh, Kalen
2: kind of had to be nudged into that one possibly, but you know what, that's okay. You know, if 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 he is finding a way to evolve and adapt and, and kind of run with the times and, and do those times of because he they will still find a way to be extremely vanilla and all the stuff they're doing. They're not gonna show anything. They're just gonna have their little thing. But the bottom line is, is they've got to create some energy and some positive momentum for the program. They're coming off a four and eight season. That that's not their fault. But that's the cards that they've been dealt, and they have to deal with that, and that's that's just the unfortunate reality of it. And if that means you've got to open yourself up a little bit to kind of generate some positive momentum, then you got to do that. And it, one practice out of fifteen isn't going to kill them. Trust me, they're mm-hmm. not going to. There's they're not going to well, be it's a two lot out of 15, but okay. Yeah. But yeah, two out of fifteen. You're right. Two out of fifteen. That's not going to kill them, and that's. I think that should be a baseline expectation if you're a Washington fan.
1: Wrap it up, Scott Eklund.
2: Um, you know, first, uh, three quor- or we're
0: a third of the way through spring ball. God, it goes so quick. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy, crazy to think that. Um, we have three practices next week, four practices the following week, and then three practices that last week, and we're done. But, uh, you know, it just you can see the progress. You can see them doing a lot of teaching. Um, but not a lot to glean from what we've seen so far.
2: Yeah. Chris no, no, it, fetters It's just difficult to know. But, again, we're, we're going to keep doing what we do. We're going to put out a depth chart. We've put out these observations in these podcasts of what we've seen. You know, there's been some, some various little 11-on-11 11 11 type things. And we'll keep working with what we get. And uh, Coach DeBoer was good today. It was good to talk to him. This is the first time we've talked to him since practice started. Um, had some good stuff. Um, I think he's excited about what's going on. But, again, I think he really emphasized that these guys are struggling a little bit with the learning piece, and and that's part of the process. That's that's part of the dog days, so to speak. And you you can see it out on the field, even the little little bit that we saw. You saw some drop passes, and it was really windy today, so they had to deal with some of the elements. But, you know, there's guys that get two hands on balls that they're dropping passes. That can't happen. Um, You know, balls are floating, things like that. It's difficult. And so, you know, we're seeing the team kind of go through the dog days, and, and there will be some rough times. But uh, hopefully by the time they do have that first open practice on the 23rd, things will start to get ironed out a little bit. We'll start to see some, some depth kind of working in itself, and, and we're starting to see maybe a little bit of separation of the quarterback position. I just hope that, that it's not just us that the, the fans need to take our words for it. They'll be hopefully be able to out, come out here and see it for themselves. Week two in the books, which is, uh, like I said, about
1: a third of the way through practice. So we'll be here for everything that you guys need. Just keep an eye on the site. We'll uh, update you with anything on basketball that we find out about the weekend visits. And uh, also look for Scott's recruiting updates. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnell. along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs!